Hey guys, my name is Ben Berman and welcome to the Starting It Up podcast where I interview all types of entrepreneurs uncovering actionable steps and inspiration that you can use to build your business, your side hustle, whatever it is that you're trying to create and live the life you've always wanted. On this episode, we talk with AJ Damiano, the CEO and co-founder of PowerSpike. PowerSpike is the turnkey tool for Twitch influencer marketing. We dive into AJ's beginnings, how he got really involved with esports, his experience working at an esports startup, how that really paved the way for him to actually create his own company. And then we talk about what PowerSpike is up to now, the esports environment as a whole. PowerSpike recently raised $500,000 from investors like Techstars, the dorm room fund and the Philadelphia 76ers. So it's a really exciting time for the company. One quick thing, there was a technical issue uh, during the recording on my end. So it does carry a heavy echo. Uh, So just be aware. Uh, Sorry about that, but hope you guys enjoy. And here it goes. Hey guys, welcome today. Uh, Today we have AJ Damiano, who is the founder and CEO of PowerSpike. Um, PowerSpike's building the centralized destination for sponsorships in in the esports gaming space. Um, So I'm going to hand it over to you, AJ. Just kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, um, where this idea came from, and uh, what PowerSpike uh, exactly is. Yeah, thank you, Ben. So my background goes back probably about six years in the esports and gaming space. I actually used to be a competitive gamer way back in the day. So I was a huge fan of games like World of Warcraft, uh, League of Legends, and others. But really, World of Warcraft was where I just fell in love with the game. And I ended up getting ranked in the top 100 players in the world of World of Warcraft. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it was a really cool experience. Um, and I was doing this kind of like all while I was in high school. And what ended up happening was I figured, well, I'm playing World of Warcraft all day and I'm, you know, ranked pretty high up. But I wonder if there's something that I could actually do with this stuff. And what they don't tell you when you uh, start to become like some kind of a competitive gamer is like the time commitment behind that. So I was actually spending like eight, ten hours a day playing World of Warcraft every single day back in high school. Sheesh. It was... Yeah, <laughs> it, it was like my my complete life. And um, quite frankly, that gets pretty boring after a while. Um, and I kind of wanted to do something more. And it was around that time that I thought, well, you know, maybe I could start creating content around World of Warcraft, or maybe I could start a YouTube channel or something like that. And maybe like, showcase guides or things like that for the game. Long story short, end up creating a YouTube channel. Um, and it did pretty decently. I started like creating my first videos, which were like, arena guides and like playthroughs and then i kind of like branched out into more like general class guides like hey here's how you play a death knight or you know here's how you play frost specialization or things like that um and i ended up doing that and and the channel did pretty well back in probably around 2014 i ended up transitioning that channel over to twitch and there, there were these early kind of uh conversations around there of like what's this twitch platform you know what's all this live streaming stuff about and it was you know probably four years ago when platforms like this were just first starting to take off. Um, and I'd kind of heard about it and it was really interesting to me how people could go live from any kind of computer around the world and just start broadcasting on this platform. So I ended up starting to transition my channel over from YouTube into Twitch. And before I knew it, I actually ended up getting picked up by this startup company that was creating tournaments and guides for the esports and gaming space. So being a content creator at the time and and doing some guides on places like YouTube, I ended up thinking this is a really cool company and you know maybe it's something that I can get involved in. Um, and I did. And I ended up really getting kind of the ability to cut my teeth in, in the startup world and actually getting my first opportunity to get involved in a startup company and see how they worked. And it was just so intriguing to me because very quickly I was wearing like 20 hats before I could even, you know, <laughs> yeah, take a blood. breath. Yeah, I, I was the live content creator, tournament organizer, player manager, and then broadcast content director all in one. Wow. It was a really interesting role. Um, and was this in high school or college? This was my freshman year at college. Okay. So yeah. Still I had early. just landed. Yeah, yeah. L- lots, of, lots of time on my hands, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, it was a lot of fun, though. Um, I, I really loved it, and I'll get to that in a moment. But I got involved with this thing and I was just so passionate about it. Like I had kind of the full range and ability to to build whatever I want wanted creatively. And essentially what we ended up creating were these 
esports tournaments on Twitch, uh, where we would get people in the World of Warcraft community to come and compete against each other. It was really cool. And we ended up getting a lot of viewers on these events. They actually took right off very quickly. I think our first stream, we had like 1,000 viewers. And then the next one, we had like 2,000 viewers. And then the one after that, it was like 5,000 viewers. And it was just so exciting to kind of see like those numbers grow uh, so quickly. At, at, at one point, we were like the number one stream on Twitch for a day. It was, it was wow. insane. Yeah. But what ended up happening was I got involved with this, and the viewership numbers were really great. And it was it was going so well. And I was really pouring a lot of my time and my effort into this company. Um, and there was one problem, though, and that was that the company was running out of money really quickly. The thing that people don't tell you about esports tournaments is that to get people to actually show up, you have to put up about $1,000 to $3,000 a week in prize pool money to get some decently good players to actually compete in the event. And that's what a lot of times drives the viewership. So the company was burning $1,000 to $3,000 a week on these events, and it was really quickly running out of money. So I was tasked with wearing another hat at the time, which was AJ go find some sponsors for this event. And what ended up happening was I did what most creators did when they're initially trying to find a sponsorship opportunity. I reached out to a hundred different brands and advertisers asking them for a sponsorship just through cold email. Like, Hey, we got this great channel. You know, we've got a thousand concurrent viewers, if not more, why don't you come and sponsor us? We can get you a great promotion. And we got two responses, both rejection letters. Uh, that's never fun. Yeah, and it it was uh, at the time there really weren't any other ways for the for the company to make money. We didn't uh, necessarily have a working product yet. Um, the other forms of monetization would come in ad revenue, but the majority of Twitch viewers use an ad blocker, so that was pretty much out. And then we could ask the community for donations, but as most creators know, that's also a pretty unstable source of revenue. So what ended up happening was. Essentially, around this time, I was really, really invested in the startup. I, I was so invested in these tournaments that I, I just stopped going to class, right? And this this was about the second semester of my freshman year. Um, I had actually devoted so much time into the startup company that I was almost failing out of college. Um, and unfortunately, the company ran out of money and it didn't work out. So, fully I was went under. At, yeah, 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 pretty much. I, I left shortly before. Um, I, I wasn't necessarily happy with the direction that things were going, and I just, I, I knew it was time. So here I was. I was kind of like left at the end of my freshman year at college with not much. I, I had learned a lot of lessons, and I had had the opportunity to really kind of cut my teeth on the space. But the company that I had put all my time into, and you know, stopped going to class for, it, didn't work out, and. <laughs> for myself at the time, I I pretty much almost failed out of my freshman year of college. But God, I had a bug in me, and I love startups. And I knew that I wanted to, to do something again. And I thought back to that moment as to just how challenging it was as a creator to find a sponsorship opportunity on a platform like Twitch and just how much digging I had to do to actually achieve that result. And it got me thinking, and... It was a light bulb moment. And it was like, hey, what if we could actually go out and create some kind of platform that connected streamers and brands together? What if we can make it easier for these two opposite parties to essentially come together and create some magic? And it was at that time that we started working on Power Spike. Awesome. So that's, you know, super interesting story. I, I really like how, you know, everything connects so well. You, you're a passionate gamer. You end up, you know, working with a startup. Uh, you're tasked with this thing that you've never done before. You know, get a sponsorship doesn't work out, and the lesson you learn from there, you go on and start your own business. So the two things that kind of stuck out to me, and you know, I'm getting the sense that this is like a common theme. You seem like someone who is always, you know, you seem determined. You seem like the type of person that's always looking for something to go to the next level. And and I think that a lot of entrepreneurs have that kind kind of thing just inside them. And I think that a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs, you know, are looking to be more like that. So the, the two things that I want to ask are, you know, you said you're playing World of Warcraft, you know, different games, like eight to 10 hours a day. A lot of people, 
you know, start doing that. And, you know, maybe, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge gamer. I, I played like PlayStation, Xbox, you know, when I was younger, um, never really got into the extreme gaming space. But but even then I, I was playing and I, I was thinking, you know, this is really cool. I'll keep playing. You know, I never um, thought about, you know, doing anything else other than playing these games. And I know a lot of people who dive really deep into those kinds of sports, uh, especially people who are ranked highly, um, they don't go and start something else. They just continue to just play because they love the game. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, uh, so so what, what would you say actually like led you to, what, what do you think it is about you that led you to understand that maybe this wasn't the thing that you should be doing for the rest of your life and create something new and a different avenue to, to give yourself a new path um, for for the direction that you wanted your life to head in? Well, you know, part of it was my mom and dad always yelling at me to like get off the computer every day and and, <laughs> and do something. So yeah, it, I'd say that I'd say that that was a good part of it. But you know, the other big piece of it for me that I, I don't really talk about a lot was the fact that it was a creative outlet for me. It was an opportunity for me to express myself in a way that I really didn't have the opportunity to do in essentially any other medium. I, I wanted the ability to make videos and to, to have an audience and to create something. It was, it was really fun for me. And, and I, I found a lot of joy out of it. And it, it was the same kind of joy that I found when I was, when I was working at that first startup company where it was, it was just so enjoyable for me to actually be able to bring something to life and to create something totally new. It, 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 it really ignited like a, a fire in me that I enjoyed. And, and when that was just gone, kind of like in an instant it it really left me without any kind of clear direction in life quite quite frankly i i remember that time period between when i stopped working at that startup company and when i formed power spike to be one of the most depressing periods in my life because it was so hard for me and and you know the, it, it wasn't just that it was the fact that i had almost just failed a semester at college as well coupled on top of it, it you, you feel terrible you, you feel like a failure and for me, I was kind of grasping at straws, like trying to get back that feeling and that passion that I, I really missed. And, you know, I, I had long since kind of stopped doing my YouTube channel. So that wasn't really something that I could go back to at the time. And I, I ended up submitting a few job applications to a few different places, just seeing if I could maybe get hired there. And, you know, that didn't work out. Um, no hard feelings. So, but <laughs> honestly, it, it, it was like, really a difficult time because you you kind of have this amazing creative outlet and then it's completely lost and you're kind of like what do you do and and i think another another part of it was was really kind of looking at my grades i i thought to myself well damn no one's ever going to hire me with these grades so <laughs> might as well start a company you got it yeah yeah so that's awesome and, and you actually went right into the second thing i was going to ask uh which was you know after getting burned so badly by this startup what made you just want to, you know, keep being in that world instead of going somewhere safer? But but you already answered, you know, just like that fire inside you, just the will that you wanted to create something, um, which I which I totally get. You know, I, I started this podcast a couple months ago. Um, we were talking about this before, but once once you start creating, once you start putting stuff out there, it's really difficult to then go back to not doing that. You know, you miss, you know, just being able to just kind of get what you what you're saying, what what you want to say out there in the world and just seeing how people react. Um, it's definitely an interesting feeling that, um, that, you know, I am really glad I started, I started doing, uh, as well. Um, so let's, let's dive into, you know, where we are, um, kind of right now in the esports world. Uh, a lot of people out there, you know, might be vaguely familiar with esports. You know, I, um, definitely, you know, know a lot, a little bit about it right now, but, you know, a couple of years ago it was, it was brand new, um, to most people who weren't in that world. Can you kind of, dive into a little bit about what the esports ecosystem looks like right now for the biggest players um you know where does twitch factor in all this um and and maybe even like some of the biggest kind of sports that that people are watching yeah absolutely so for those who don't know what esports actually is it's people watching other people play competitive video games so watching a tournament of people um, compete in Fortnite or, or things of that nature, or League of Legends or World of Warcraft or whatever have you. And about like five years ago, th this was 
very not much not talked about. Um, and five years before that, we were doing it in ballrooms at like your local hotel or something <laughs> of that nature. So it, it's it's really the whole industry in itself has really experienced a ton of tremendous growth over the past few years. Um, some some of the big players and some of the people who have really been successful in the space are teams like Cloud9, uh, TSM. Those are some of like the very big League of Legends teams. You're just starting now to see a Fortnite ecosystem emerge and teams actually picking up players in that space, which is really cool. Um, and, and really kind of like the place where Twitch factors into this. Twitch was really at the epicenter when the esports and gaming space was just, esports specifically space, was just starting to explode. Uh, Twitch was and is a live streaming platform specifically focused on video games. So a lot of people would live stream themselves playing World of Warcraft or League of Legends or today Fortnite or whatever have you, and, and people could come and actually watch this stuff. So the thing is, is that esports had a really big distribution problem early on in the sense that like this stuff was just not going to go on TV. Like people watching other people playing video games, ha, who wants to watch those nerds, those geeks? We don't want to, you know, put a put them in the corner ballroom at the hotel. You know, they can do it there. But what Twitch provided was accessibility, unprecedented that these events just didn't have before. They were a platform that enabled people to stream these events out to the world and create an audience and actually have a place where thousands, hundreds of thousands of people could come and actually watch them. Today, it's millions. And, and Twitch really provided that much-needed distribution, which allowed esports to essentially break in into mainstream and, and now you see it on ESPN and, and other places as well. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, just like like you were saying, just a few years ago, the biggest games and things like League League of Legends, World of Warcraft, they weren't you know, it wasn't mainstream. Like regular people weren't playing these games. It was people who were really into computers, people, you know, kind of like nerdy people, um, you know, for the most part playing these games. And now you go on Instagram, uh, you go anywhere and you see Fortnite you know, I think I read somewhere that Ninja was the most watched, you know, athlete in the world, um, which, you know, it's, it's so crazy, uh, just to, to even think about it. Um, but, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's the kind of world we live in. And, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting to see how quickly, uh, things, things shift. Um, so in terms of, so let, let's talk about Twitch since, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but your company, uh, only partners users on on Twitch with uh, with brands, correct? Correct. Mixer support coming soon. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome. So, it, in terms of like the dynamic of a platform like Twitch, how many content creators do you think? I, I don't know if this is a no number are actually being paid um, for the content they create, and maybe within that subgroup, how many are actually being paid enough to even? Um, to have it be like a full-time main gig. Yeah, so on a platform like Twitch, you're typically going to see the top 1% or so be the ones that are actually able to go off and get sponsorship opportunities. And the the 0.01% of that 1% that are actually able to make this into a multi-million dollar lifestyle. Uh, People like Ninja, Shroud, Tim the Tatman, they're able to, they are the individuals who can strike deals for multi-millions of dollars that can range for many years so those are the kinds of individuals and those are the real celebrities of the platform who are able to strike those massive deals and then you really have like this kind of other 99 percent of people who you know they have decent viewership um but it's only like 50 or 100 people at a time and the challenge is is like for a brand like coca-cola for example a lot of times they they just don't want to spend their time here. It's not enough viewership to really be meaningful for them. And a lot of times they'd rather just take their spend to the ninjas and the shrouds of the world and you know, place it there. So really kind of where Power Spike came in and, and what we've given brands the ability to do is aggregate a hundred of these smaller scale streamers at a time. These, what is referred to in the industry as like micro influencers. Um, and kind of patch them all up together and, and hit the communities and the audiences that they want to reach, but in, in a really more authentic way. Um, and, and with these micro-influencers, the, the really amazing thing that they can do that a person like Ninja, for example, can't is they have a lot more of a closer bond with their community. If I go into a person with 50 or 100 viewers and I say, hey, how's it going? They can actually on stream say, oh, hey, dude, it's, it's going great. How are you? With, with Ninja or Shroud, you know, great guys but the text is just going so, so yeah. quickly the stream chat, they, 
you can't even keep up with it. It's like when you have a hundred thousand people watching you, you, you can't talk to a hundred thousand people at once. It's it's just not possible. So for these micro influencers, we we found it's just a tremendous amount of more engaged um, than the larger scale influencers can bring. But it, it, it's really all about what you need as a brand. If you're looking for awareness, then probably larger guys. If you're looking for um, some kind of like higher level of engagement or whatnot, then it's probably going to be the smaller guys and girls. For sure. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, when you said that, it definitely makes sense. It's like if, if a friend recommends something to you, you know, you're a lot more likely to then go and check it out and you actually trust that. So in these more intimate communities where, you know, you know, the streamer on an actual like personal level and they know you and they say, Hey, go check this product out. You know, you're just a lot more likely to do it because, you, you know, you might even know that it's a sponsorship, but it's different than if it's someone who's, you know, it's millions of people following them and they kind of just say it and, and you can't even ask them anything just because logistically they don't have the bandwidth to, to reply. Um, so that's very cool. And in terms of the way you're, you, the service you actually provide, can you break it down in terms of like, uh, how you guys actually are making money and, essentially what the service is, is it, is it very much just kind of logistical where, you know, you have these algorithms and different formulas that, you know, pair people uh, with brands and, and create the pairs that are most effective and make the most sense? Um, is, is that how it works? And then in, in terms of like how you actually make money, um, is it kind of like off the top? Um, how, how does that process work? Yeah. So what we do over at PowerSpike is our platform provides a solution for brands that want to connect with streamers. So if you're a brand or advertiser, you can come to PowerSpike. You can tell us a bit about your company, tell us a bit about what you'd like an influencer to do for you, whether it be an unboxing or a shout out or whatever have you. And then lastly, you can set your targeting options, essentially what kind of people you want to target. Um, do you want to target males, females? Do you want to target you know, specific age demographic? Is there a certain interest or psychographic uh, region that you want to target? And then essentially you press go. And what our platform does is we'll automatically recommend influencers to you who are the right fit for your campaign. And then if you want to start working with them, you can just activate them with a click of a button. So we make it really simple and really seamless for brands to actually get into the esports and gaming space and to start activating with all of these influencers. And, and you can do it with a really large influencer. Or you can do it with a bunch of smaller people at scale. It's really up to you. Cool. And for and for us, the the, the way we make money is we take a, a slight percentage of each deal on the marketplace, and then we also offer deep campaign insights and analytics to clients at a premium price. Gotcha. Makes sense. Um, and then, so I to kind of bring it back to what you were talking about earlier. I know that you said you know you reached out to when you were working at the startup, you reached out to a bunch of advertisers or brands, and and no one um, got back to you. What did you do differently this time? Um, especially when you're actually, you know, building marketplace, which requires essentially two sides. What, what did you have to do differently that allowed you to actually communicate with these brands and, and for them to take you seriously and to, and to give you a chance? Yeah, it's, it's such a great question. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I think it, I, it requires like a little bit of backstory to get there. Um, for, for the first like year or two that we were actually building this company, we, we were just kind of figuring things out as, as we went, like we had no idea how to build a business and we had no idea how to build a product and we had no idea how to sell to brands. It was like, we, we were the most unqualified people to do this <laughs> initially when we were starting off. Um, but we did have one thing and it, and it was expertise on the esports space. And, and it was a new space that brands and advertisers really wanted to get into. And for us, it was a really great opportunity to, kind of bridge that gap. We, we had the knowledge that a lot of these companies actually wanted and we could provide the measurability and the results. And for us, we kind of realized like, hey, you know, we're, we're pretty young, but maybe there's a way that we can make this happen. What we ended up doing initially was we, we just talked to our customers and we really leveraged the amazing network that Syracuse University has. The great thing about SU is that there's a phenomenal business school there and there's a huge alumni network of thousands of people that work at companies like Unilever or uh, P&G or Coca-Cola. And really what we did is we just kind of used every resource that we had to get in contact with those people and start to understand what kind of things they were looking for. Now, were they actually going to, to buy anything at the time? No. <laughs> the the industry was just like way too early. And, and it was um, when we started this back in 2015, I mean, the, the space was just purely limited to non-endemic companies. But now in 2018, you're really starting to see a lot of these brands come around. And what we realized was that the companies needed 
in order to actually invest dollars in the space, they needed a measurement solution to understand how powerful these activations actually were. They needed the ability to target the right people and understand that their spends and their, their money was going to the right place. And then lastly, they they needed to have some faith in the actual esports space itself. They needed to understand why they should be putting their dollars here and, and why this space is so impactful. So for us, it was really just taking the time to sit down with our customers and sit down with people that we had gotten connected to and just networking ourselves like crazy um, and building that core competency of knowledge that allowed us to craft the right platform to, to bring it to market. For sure. And just to kind of go, go off that in terms of networking, how, you know, how easily did that actually come to you? Um, was it something you're always good at or, or was it a challenge that you really had to, to work on? Because, you know, for a lot of people, it's, it's hard to go out there to, to put yourself out there to talk about your idea. You never know what people might think, especially, um, when you're talking about this esport thing that up until, you know, very recently, most people didn't even take seriously or, or know about. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about that? You know, I had this great mentor of mine, Sean Brannigan, who was, he's just absolutely phenomenal. And he was able to give me some, some really fantastic advice one day um, when, when I was at my first conference. And I remember I, I was at this conference, it was called the, the Live Fronts in New York City. And I was in the same room as Al Roker. And it was just like this crazy, like, I was sitting in the back, like, I was just stargazed, like, oh my gosh, like, these are so many amazing people. Like, what do I do? Like, do I just walk up to them and talk up to them like how do i how do i do this and i remember he gave me like a really great piece of advice which was like what do you have to lose like the worst thing that these people can say is i'm not interested and then they're gonna forget about you 24 (laughs) hours later (laughs) if it even takes that long if it even takes that long and the best thing you know that one person could be something that totally changes the course of your business and after i kind of came to terms with that and after i kind of understand well yeah he's kind of right you know these maybe i'll know these people maybe i won't maybe some of them will work out and to be really great friends and you know maybe some of them i'll i'll strike out on and as it turns out you know there, there definitely were a lot of people that i striked out on but there were a lot of great people that i met along the way and i find just kind of having the courage to put yourself out there and to to just kind of say you know screw it i'm gonna go and do it is, is is really what can help you make it for sure and so in terms of you know just to kind of bring this back into like kind of a lesson um so that, cause that's the reason we do this podcast you know a lot of people who are listening to this are are starting their own business or want to start their own um you know doesn't have to be a business pretty much anything uh, they want to be creators want to do stuff like that are you of the mindset that um you know w- when you're starting up you, you think you know, whether it's on, regardless of the platform, you know, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, whatever, do you believe just like DMing, messaging as many people as possible, um, things like that? Do you, for, from your experiences, have methods like that been effective? Uh, and if so, what are the best ways to actually go about reaching out to people who you really want to get connected with, whether it's for partnerships or investments or, or even mentor- mentorship? Uh, what are the best ways to reach out to them to have them actually, you know, want to uh, respond and, and, and help you? Yeah. So honestly, like when it comes down to it, I don't know if there's like a right medium or, or a right way. I mean, it differs for everybody, right? Like if you see somebody who's like an active tweeter on Twitter, like, dm them and like shoot up a message if they are you know super popular on linkedin like you know maybe that might be the medium um the the best medium out of all is is to get a warm introduction so if there's a way that you can just get connected into them through a friend or you know a mutual colleague or whatever have you that that's always the best way but you know outside of that i i think it's just important to do your research and understand who they are as a person like if the person that you're reaching out to is the ceo of like some uh, major startup company, well, you know, they're an entrepreneur and, and they're probably going to empathize with other entrepreneurs that are reaching out to them. If, if you kind of craft your message in the way of like, hey, you know, I uh, saw you in this one thing and, you know, I'm starting my own business right now and I really love what you've done. And I, I was just wondering if I could get like five minutes of your time to, you know, just tell you about my idea and get your feedback on it. You know, entrepreneur to entrepreneur. I, I was wondering if you'd be interested. And, and I think what you'll find is that the the entrepreneurship community is really supportive. Like people don't make it alone. Like pe- people don't become entrepreneurs alone. 
um, or build businesses alone. They they get help from a lot of people, and I think it's extraordinarily important as a result of that to to give that back and pay that forward. So I think you'll find that if you, I'll tell you if I if I had an email in my inbox right now from you know somebody kind of reaching out to me like that and saying, hey AJ, you know I you know would love to talk. I'm a student entrepreneur. I'm doing this or that. I'd, you know, just love to get five minutes of your time. It's like absolutely I'd answer that. Who who wouldn't, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's just it's just so important to know your audience and you know understand who you're reaching out to and understand kind of like you know their background and um kind of where they they might have come from and I think a lot of times like the, the the worst thing that you can ever do is to sell to somebody like like to I I hate cold emails that kind of go along the lines of like hey there Power Spike is providing X Y Z and you know we're the great solution for this kind of business you should come buy our product buy our product buy it's like stop <laughs> <laughs> like get out of my inbox um, but I I think that the the people who really win whether it be in in sales or relationship building or whatever have you are the people who, who take the time to make it personal. And I think as long as you can find those elements and make it that way, you can get in contact with whoever you want. Awesome. Yeah. Really great advice. Um, and, and yeah, to go along the lines of what you were saying, like most people are, you know, really, you know, decent, good people who are happy to help if, uh, if you reach out to them in a, you know, non-annoying um, way that, and they, if, if they can, if they know that you're serious and if you've done your research, if they understand that you're someone who actually wants to, you know, do good, they're, I've, I've almost never met anyone who will ever just flat out reject you. Um, just because, it's, you know, it's not the way things are, you know, they, someone helped them, um, and, and, you know, they want to pay for it and, and help others. Um, and to kind of, you know, to go along that, I know I, I mentioned that just because, you know, you, have gotten investments from some prominent investors, um, from places like Techstars, uh, Dormoon Fund, you know, well-known angel investors. And also, you know, looking at your board uh, of advisors, you guys have some top people from, from the best, you know, gaming companies in the world, um, like EA, you know, uh, many other places. And that all ties in, you know, once, once you're able to connect with people on that level, it just opens so many doors. Um, so to dive a little bit into like the actual numbers, could you kind of tell us a little bit about how much money you've got, you guys have raised so far and what that process was like? Um, especially as someone who's, yeah, was in their final year of school. How was it like, you know, what do you have to do? You know, you, you have to take time off of, off class, obviously, and, and things like that. So could you kind of give us a little overview on, on what that was like? As a student entrepreneur, really, it has its advantages, but it also has tremendous disadvantages, especially when it comes to fundraising. The, the amazing advantage of being a student entrepreneur is, is you have so much time, like between classes and, you know, between everything else that you have to do at college, studying, for example, like, what are you, what are you doing in those other eight hours? Like, is, is the question that I kind of ask, like, what what else is there? And, and I found myself being tremendously bored at college when I didn't have a company to work on because I, I had like eight hours of a day at a time where, you know, depending on whatever the day was, maybe I'd have one class a day where I, I was just not really doing much. You have a tremendous amount of time, but you are inexperienced and at least in the eyes of others. And that's really one of the biggest challenges when it comes to fundraising is you're doing this for the first time and it's okay to do it for the first time, but it's challenging, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. You have to learn the process. You have to understand how fundraising works, how you're supposed to go about it. You have to read some books like venture deals, for example, is, is essentially the Bible of this stuff. But really as a student entrepreneur, there's a lot of challenges that you're going to face when it comes to actually going out and raising capital and, and actually going out and being perceived as legitimate. Really, you have to carry yourself in the way that you want to be treated as. If if you want to be treated as a, you know, a twenty year old college student, then, you know, you'd act as a twenty year old college student. But really you have to kind of walk into these meetings with a a confidence and, you know, kinda of in a way put yourself in the shoes of somebody that is like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm building a legitimate business here, and what I have is worthwhile. And I think what you're going to find is that not everyone is always going to essentially buy into that. Um, I think majority of the time you will 
hear no, whether you're a student entrepreneur or you know doing this for your 20th time. Pe- people are risk averse. Um, but I think this especially happens with the student entrepreneur. And I think that the biggest challenge that you can get over is getting that first check. It's just getting that one person to believe in you and to put in 5000 or $10,000 or you know, whatever it is. And I think once you get that first check through the door, it's, it's almost like a stamp of validation on you. It's, it's something that you can go out and tell to other people and be like, Hey, you know, we've already raised this amount of money. And like, you know, we're trying to close out our round to do this. And I think really what you have to show, you know, my, my best tip for this is to build a relationship with whoever it is that you'd like to get angel invested in your company. And then communicate with them frequently and, and show them your traction, show them that you're executing, show them that you're hitting your milestones. And I think that over time, if you're able to really show that person that you're executing and that you're doing what you need to do and taking the steps, then they will believe in you. What I will say for that first person, though, it, a lot of it is is a gamble. It's it's actually, I'd say, 100% a gamble. Uh, you know, for the first person that believed in me, I, you know, she's an absolutely amazing person. And, um, I, I, I often kind of wonder to myself, like, I, I have to ask her, you know, why she invested. And, and I think part of it is just gut, you know, I, I think part of it is like, you know, I, I think that this person is going to do great. And I think that anything that you can do to kind of prove that to the other person on the other side of the table is what you can do to actually get them to write that first check. So, um, yeah, we, we ended up raising $500,000, uh, Part of it was from the Philadelphia 76ers, which came as the last check in the round. Oh, and then wow. we had uh, we had Techstars involved in that, Cox Enterprises, uh, the Dorm Room Fund, and a number of other really amazing angels from Boston, New York, just kind of all across the country. Um, and, and, you know, part, part of it, uh, I, I think, you know, the story that we don't... Um, you know, that, that isn't told so much it is actually how we funded the company before we, we raised any of that money. Um, and the way that we did it was by winning business plan competitions. We actually <laughs> entered ourselves into every business competition that we could have. And the cool thing as a student entrepreneur is that a lot of these opportunities are really available to you. But we ended up entering ourselves into like 20 different competitions. And the one thing that I knew that I could do was I could get up on stage and I could own a crown. A crowd. So we entered ourselves into like 20 different competitions. I put together, I remember the first one that I ever did. We, we, we just had kind of like the idea at the time. We didn't really know. And I, and I put together this ragtag deck, um, showcasing like members of the team and like, you know, what we're doing and the idea that we want to build. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, you know, this is never going to win, but this is so cool. And, you know, maybe it's worth a shot. Right. Um, but they're never going to, they're never going to buy this. And, you know, I, I looked at it and I'm like, well, you know, it's, Maybe it's worth a shot. You know, maybe maybe we got something here, but we're not going to win. And we end up getting into this competition, and I got up on stage and I just told the story of like, this is esports. These are like these millions of people watching other people play video games. Look at this space; it's huge, right? And then you know we're going to do something in it. We kind of know what it is, but you know here it is, <laughs> and we won. And it was like kind of the craziest thing. We we won a thousand dollars to start building the company early on and it gave us enough confidence to think maybe we've got something here and we took that thousand dollars and we incorporated the business and we ended up actually creating a a legitimate entity out of this and and for the first two years we we completely self-funded the company through business plan competitions and by the time it was all said and done we had won forty six thousand dollars just pitching in these events yeah that's crazy. Yeah. That's uh that's what funded the uh apartments over the summer where we'd get together and kind of code <laughs> in or <laughs> or you know the the food at college and whatnot. It was uh eventually, you know, that 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 doesn't suffice forever and that's when we actually had to start raising outside capital. But um I think just being able to show steps like that and show like, hey, we're executing, hey, you know, we're 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 winning these competitions or, you know, doing these things and um my first investor I met at a business plan competition, she was a judge, but um, point being anything that you can do to show execution, I think is, is powerful. And and the one last point I want to make is that fundraising isn't winning, getting more money through the door, you know, raising $500,000. It's not winning. It's nice to have, right. It's good to know that you've got 
your company moving for another 12 or 18 months, but it's not winning. Building a product that's generating revenue and building something or users or whatever it may be, but building something that people want is really winning, but fundraising isn't. Yeah, yeah, 100%. For sure. And, and it's, it's funny. Every, pretty much everyone who's raised money. Well, everyone who's raised money, uh, that I've spoken to, you know, especially on this podcast says the exact same thing. Um, and it's it just one of those things that you don't know, uh, or you don't appreciate or fully understand until you're actually in that position where you have to do it. And then you're like, Oh yeah, I just, I just raised all this money, have a runway. Um, but now it's time to actually get the real work done, even though you spend, you know, all this other time trying to get that money. So. Um, definitely interesting and, and awesome. I mean, you know, that business plan stuff is, is so cool. And, and that was, you know, when I was a student, you know, a year ago and, 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 uh, before I was, you know, entering these kinds of competitions all the time, mainly because I just thought it was fun. Um, just kind of going in with like different ideas every single time, um, and things like that. And, and, you know, for everyone out there who's in school, um, I know that, you know, your school had it, my school had it. Um, it's just very commonplace, you know, whether you have an idea that you want to take all the way, or just something that you kind of just think about, um, you know, randomly, just never be afraid to go up there to share it. Cause you know, just like in your case, you never know. Um, it might be a hit and, you know, a couple of years later, you might be running a legit business with, you know, you know, almost a dozen employees and, uh, and realizing that this whole thing is, um, is the real deal. So, so that's super cool. And I want to quickly, um, dive into, uh, your team a little bit. Can you tell us a little about, a little bit about like who your other co-founders are, um, what the current size and, and scope of the team is? And also, um, I don't think we talked about this, but your background from like a technical perspective, um, are you like a coder? Are you more of the, um, mainly just the business guy? Uh, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think that they, the old adage goes that when you start a company, you want to have three people, a hustler, a hipster, and a hacker. And for, for sure. myself, for, for when, when we first started PowerSpike, um, I ended up bringing over a few people from that previous startup company that were really passionate, and I, I really enjoyed working with it. And one of them was my co-founder, Michael, who was an amazing graphic designer. I mean, great product person. He He created the most amazing images. He's just absolutely incredible. Uh, I brought him over and then about three or four months into actually starting the company, um, I met my other co-founder, Eric, who was actually the developer behind this and, and the brains who was able to kind of make this stuff happen. Um, and for myself, I I don't know how to code. I know a little bit, enough to understand a little bit of what, what my development team is yeah, saying. That's all you need to know. That's <laughs> all I need to know, right? Uh, I, I was kind of like that... Um, I'd say if you had to kind of divide it in the categories, I was the hustler. I was the one who could do the business side of the company and actually, you know, run the operations. And then uh, Michael was the hipster, the kind of creative and, you know, uh, mind behind a lot of what we were building. And then Eric was the hacker. He was, he was the guy who was actually able to build it and, and bring it forward. And we kind of took that initial team and we ended up expanding it into, you know, wherever we could. And, and we kind of picked up people along the way who were just really talented at whatever they did and, and really passionate and kind of had that shared value for learning and, and self-growth. And so we ended up picking up uh, the other person that joined my company originally was uh, was Dan, who joined the company, uh, who was one of kind of like early graphic designers and um, front-end developers. And then we ended up picking up Aaron, who's just this incredible marketer. And like we, we met him in like a Slack group where... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was the craziest thing, right? Like we, we end up meeting him in a Slack group and he's like, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll do, uh, I'll build a free website for anybody who wants. I'm just trying to break into the space. And I'm like, this kid's got what it takes. And as it turns out, you know, wasn't the biggest fan of his development, but he was a, an amazing marketer. Like he was just <laughs> the best, like writing blogs about this stuff. And he, he was like 17, 18 at the time. And it was like, wow, like you're in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, it was just kind of like other other members along the way, Sam, Joe, James, uh, you know, other Dan. It, it's just as we met amazing people, we we picked them up, you know, based kind of around what the needs of the company were at the time. And uh, we kind of let that philosophy guide us and, and move us forward. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're talking about picking up all these amazing people. It's it's awesome to see that, you know, you guys are a young company, uh, you know, 
at maybe at the time, even when you're getting the early employers, you're barely off the ground and still you're able to get these awesome, passionate people. And it just goes to show, you know, you don't need necessarily money and, and all these crazy things to attract top talent. If you have a really cool company, a really cool product and just something that gets people excited, they're, they're willing to hop on board, especially younger people who, who just want to get their, um, just want to get their foot in the door and really understand the, the entire space. Um, so now let's kind of shift over to more of, um, just looking at the wider landscape of, of esports and, and, and what you guys are doing. What do you think, uh, just the esports industry is going to be looking like in, in five, 10 years? How much bigger can something like this get? And is there a day maybe where even, you know, esports is, uh, is more popular than, um, quote unquote, like real sports? It's coming. We're yeah. coming for your football and your baseball. We're on our way. <laughs> the uh, yeah, the, the space is the space is growing massively. It's I believe I believe the number is like thirty two percent year over year. Like it's just wow. insane the amount of brand dollars and advertising dollars that are going into it, and and just the whole industry as a whole is, is absolutely massive. I think we're set to hit um, the space is set to be valued over a billion dollars this year, um, and it's just growing at like a really insane pace i you know i'm a, i'm of the firm belief I, I don't know if traditional sports is ever going to go away um and you know i i don't know if it's even a, a worthwhile conversation to talk about like is he sports sports i mean you know at the end of the day people enjoy it so who cares but ultimately i really think that there's a lot of growth potential in the space and i think that it really has the opportunity to become just as mainstream as those other sports, whether it be football or basketball or baseball, you're seeing a lot of traditional sports teams actually start to make investments in the space, such as the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, the New York Yankees and, and others, uh, Golden State Warriors. They've all have major investments in esports. And really, the, the reason is, I think that a lot of them see that this is a space that has a tremendous amount of potential. It's reaching the youngest viewer of any any kind of competitive event and ultimately it's where the next generation is headed and i don't think that you're going to see sports go away but i i think that they can coexist in a way and i think that you're going to see just more stars be made more players grow into this space and i think that it has tremendous potential the, the likes of which to reach a much more broad audience than i think most sports ever could because ultimately like you know, not everybody can throw a ball around, you know, and not everybody has the talent to, you know, score a goal or, you know, shoot a hoop, but everybody can play a video game. Everyone can access it. And I think that it's that accessibility, which is really going to be kind of like a North Star for esports and its growth. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, just looking at it from an outsider's perspective, I don't necessarily think there's a competition between traditional sports and esports. I think there's there's more than enough uh there's more than enough people out there um to enjoy everything you know a lot of the people I'm, i'll even just assume that a lot of the people who are going to be really big into esports probably weren't big into traditional sports so it's it's definitely not um a competition in in that sense that you know people are going to be switching over um definitely both are going to keep growing um as as we're seeing and um, you know, a big part of what you do, your whole business is connecting influencers with, uh, brands. And I want to talk about the larger influencer, um, kind of ecosystem where more and more people every year are becoming professional creators, professional influencers, whether it be on platforms like Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, wherever. Um, and what do you see from, you know, understanding exactly like the esports world and, and Twitch? What do you see as like, what are the biggest hurdles right now for creators in general? And do you think that those hurdles are being broken by companies like yours and, and others that will, and companies like Patreon that will eventually allow more and more people to be full-time creators and, and, you know, follow their passions and do this, um, for the rest of their life as opposed to traditionally, um, have have a job as as many of them did before. Yeah, so probably the the biggest hurdle for any creator right now is monetization. Like how do I actually turn this thing that I'm so passionate about into a full-time career? And whether it be Power Spike which is taking care of one aspect of that or companies amazing companies like Patreon, Streamlabs, um or others that actually support these community-run donations. 
um, and are providing infrastructure for more ways to monetize through advertisers or anything of that nature. I believe any company that can actually help a creator to be successful and to help them pursue their dreams full time is is absolutely amazing. So I think that there's really a lot of companies out there that are helping people to kind of get their stuff off the ground and really start to turn their passion into their full-time career, which is just amazing. And, you know, the, the term influencer, I, it's something that wasn't around until very recently. Like, like even at the beginning of YouTube, like, like we had never, what's an influencer? Like, like an influencer, like there's an influencer right now who's getting sued for not influencing hard enough. Like, (laughs) yeah, there's like this whole, like, this whole word is just so new and and i think it really speaks to the fact that like the the space itself is is just so new but ultimately you have these amazing passionate people with a super highly engaged audience and to brands and advertisers i think that's just something that's so attractive and they they've taken note yeah for sure and it it all comes down to building a community as, as a creator um, just being able to have people that trust you, that like your content, that, that listen to you, follow you. That's, it's really, that's, you know, what it is, you know, when in, in anything you start, um, if you're selling something, if you're creating something, uh, you always want to have, you know, those people who you can always count on and, and are the backbone of your business. Um, and it's awesome to see companies, uh, like, like Power Spike doing what you guys are doing and, and helping these people continue to create, um, help the people who, who want to see their, uh, their stuff, see it. And, um, you know, everyone benefits in the process. So kind of as we wind this down, um, you know, it's been great to learn more about this space. It's, it's definitely really hot right now. And, uh, more and more of us are going to be hearing about things like this, uh, as, as the years go by. Um, so as a final kind of farewell, you know, let us know. Um, you know, the best ways to connect with you, um, you know, I think I saw an angel list. I don't know if this is still accurate, but you guys are hiring right now. Maybe is that, is that correct? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah. If you want, you know, if you want anyone to, to apply to anything like that, um, give a shout out and, uh, and yeah, go for it. Totally. So we're looking for a front end developer right now. If you're interested, there is a job hosting on angel list. So go and check it out. Um, and if you, and if you'd like to connect, uh, with the company directly, it's uh, powerspike.tv. Uh, you can go check us out on there and you can sign up if you're a streamer and start getting sponsored or as a brand and actually start connecting with this amazing audience in esports and gaming. Um, and then for myself personally, I'm, I'm always like super accessible. If you'd like to reach out, um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Angelo Damiano. And uh, for my personal email, it's Angelo at powerspike.tv. Awesome. So there you have it. Um, AJ, thank you so much. It's been really great talking with you. I uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks. You got it, Ben. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Thanks again for listening. If you like what you heard, go rate and subscribe to the podcast. Even share it if you think the lessons were valuable. Stay tuned for more episodes. And until next time.